Yo, welcome back to another episode of the Spilt Milk Podcast. I'm IR Him. I want to say thank you so much to everybody that subscribed, everybody that's tuned in, everybody that's been listening to us on this journey so far. Um, if you haven't been subscribed or if you haven't been leaving us a comment or whatever the case is, go ahead, get your life together. You know what I'm saying? Holla at us. Without further ado, I got two brothers with me, um, two great guests with me. First of all, I want to reintroduce myself, not you, but myself. You know what I'm saying? Call me the logo. Mm-hmm. Without further ado, go ahead and introduce yourself. It's your boy, H to the Z A Hamza. I'm back, baby. Yo, welcome back. I'm feeling good, man. How long has it been? It's been a while. Every time you come on an episode, you talk about marriage, bro. Are we talking we about marriage talk about today? It right now. No, nah, I don't think we're going to talk about marriage today. Right now. <laughs> How does it feel to be back, though? Welcome back. It feels good, man. It feels good. Did you guys miss me? A little bit. 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 And then we have an honorary guest today. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm let you do the justice to yourself. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I appreciate that. My name is Omar Fatah. Or Omar Fateh, that's how the Americans say it. That's how they say it? That's how they, <laughs> yeah, say, that's it. How they say it. That's how they say it. That's how they say it. That's how they say it, but thank you for having me. Oh man, I we appreciate, appreciate you for having me. So, yeah. so there's a reason why we got you today. Yep. We're going to talk about a little bit about yourself and kind of like what you're, you know, what you're going after right now. Mm. The state Senate seat. State Senate seat. Yep. Where wow. is it located? In South Minneapolis. South Senate Minneapolis. District, uh, district 62. Okay. Uh, it's a very diverse district. Uh, has some of the poorest neighborhoods, um, but uh, a lot of Somalis, okay. a lot of Latinos, Native Americans, a little bit of everything. So um, okay. I'm going to challenge the incumbent right now. His okay. name is Senator Jeff Hayden. Okay. Um, I met him a few times. Okay. Um, he's a very nice guy. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's strictly political, our differences. Okay. Mm. Um, I have nothing negative to say to, about him as a person. Okay. We just have differences in policies. Okay. Um, I'm running as a more progressive candidate. My man's whereas, progressive. Yeah, whereas I see him as That's more a of a... big word nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I see him as a more... There's two things. I see him as a more of an establishment candidate, but okay. at the same time, progressive, it, it's kind of shifted to, from having a certain meaning. All right, time out, time out, time out. Yeah. What does progressive mean? So... Good question. That's a very good question. Um, first, let me finish my idea, and then I'll get okay, into that. Okay. So, progressive used to have a meaning. Okay. Back probably 10, year, 10 or so years ago, um, it meant like you're for single-payer healthcare, you're for uh, affordable housing units. Um, but I think uh, right now that, and I think they're going to take care of the dripping sound, right? Okay, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I really thought yeah, it was that, like that a, little bit a grown deal. man popping yeah. like his cheek, bro. I was about to say, what is going I thought it was like it holding a balloon. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> Okay, okay. That's, no, it's no problem, no problem. Um, right, but <laughs> like I said, it used to have a meaning. Okay. Um, but right now, it, turned, it kind of turned to a spectrum where people could be still labeled as progressive but have opposing views on some issues, right? Mm. Okay. To me, what does a progressive mean? Uh, a progressive means uh, you stand for everybody, uh, everybody's progress, everybody that can uh, achieve uh, their dreams and has equal opportunities or equal access to community resources, uh, equal access to... Uh, jobs, education, um, and not being so much burdened by okay. uh, the wealthy. Because okay. the stigma that I heard is like, yo, how far could I push the envelope? It's kind of like mm. how my, when I first heard the word progressive, it was just like, okay, cool. Like, 
the envelope is already this far left. Yeah. How much more far left can I push the envelope? Mm. And you're saying, no, it's, it's an idea. It is. That's for everybody. Yep, absolutely. In fact, I'm not just running as a progressive. I'm running as a democratic socialist, like a okay. Bernie crap. Okay. Oh, you. Oh, you're Bernie, Bernie, Bernie Krat. Krat. Yeah, yeah. One man yep. said a Bernie crap. That's kind of. I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of wild to see somebody, somebody mm. that's like. That is. That says that. Like that says, yo, listen, I'm a socialist. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think that. Okay. Um, I think given our environment that I'm in right now. Okay. And seeing the things that I saw, um, for example, uh, about two years ago, this is before I was married. Um. I was moving in with a couple of roommates. Levan was one of them. Okay, shout out to my boy Levan. Yeah, you know Levan, my guy. Uh, he's actually one of my groomsmen too. Okay, okay. Um, him and another guy, we were, uh, we were checking out an apartment complex, an apartment unit that uh, was being held by a family of eight. It's a three bedroom, it was a three bedroom apartment um, being held by a family of eight. There's a husband, wife, six kids, right? Okay. So we went to go check it out. Um, we got to talking to them and the, the mother was saying basically how they weren't leaving because it was getting too small. Um, and it was kind of small, even for us three grown men, it was kind of like a small, small space, mm-hmm. but decent sized space. They're saying they're leaving because they couldn't afford it anymore. They were okay. literally getting priced out. Um, and you see a lot of that happening. Um, okay. my, wife, my wife right now works for St. Stephen's uh, Human Services. She works as a, as a shelter advocate, working okay. for the homeless population. Okay. And um, I got to volunteer a few times over there with her. Uh, and I guess a lot of folks, they believe that the overwhelming majority of people that are homeless or in shelters are folks that either have mental illness or um, sub- have substance abuse issues. Yeah, right. And um, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are just simply getting priced out nice. of their apartments, priced out of their houses, nice. or they're in severe debt. and. Yeah. They're just they're just left out left out. So Minnesota has one of the worst kind of how do I say this housing environment mm. right in the United States yep. right. So for yourself, do you just say that is is it just a matter of being priced out, or is it just a matter of just inequality in terms of access in terms of wealth? Like what's what's the stem of the problem? Like why are there so many or a lot of you know, homeless people or people that are struggling to kind of keep a roof over their head? Well, I think it's a, it's a list of items. Number one, um, people aren't making enough money. Um, you're just not seeing anyone. You don't see a lot of folks that have a livable wage. You see people working multiple jobs or people with, uh, or a house with multiple folks working just to pay the rent. Um, number two, People, a lot of folks have medical debt, me- medical debt health insurance, uh, premiums that they cannot afford. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, um, the price of housing just skyrocketing. Right. And when you see the price of housing skyrocket, while at the same time wages have stagnated, that's a recipe for disaster. Before we ask any more questions, right. we want to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, for sure. Man, Omar, for right? sure. For sure. Absolutely. So, like, tell us your story. Like, yeah. where are you from? Are you married? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, how'd you get your start? How'd you get your start? Mm. Why politics? Why, Why here? You yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, I was born in Washington, D.C., and I was raised in Virginia. Um, my family's actually been in America for a long time. 
Uh, my dad immigrated here in 1963 on a on a wow. on a scholarship. Okay. On, wow. on a scholarship. Um, it's a British scholarship, and he was placed on Montana State University. Wow. Um, and, that's great. Um, the first, got, I think that's the first Somali well, that I heard. Yeah. So, you know, say first Somali sighting. Montana in yeah. 1963. <laughs> if you hear anything prior mm. to, let me know. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> wow, sure. Okay. No, there wasn't, in Bozeman, Montana, I think there wasn't many black people in general. Forget right. Somalis, you know? Somalis. I don't think um, other Somalis people in Montana right yeah. now. If there are, let us know. But like when he first touched down, he didn't see any black people. It was just this is the only one. That um, is and this crazy. is the 60s. And this is yeah. like civil rights. Yeah, 1963, yep. Wow. The height of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Yep, wow. exactly. And my mom came a little bit later. She came in the, in the mid-70s. Um, they got married in New York in 1979. My dad went on to work in Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, Somalia, doing different uh, uh, engineering type work. Um, and then he finally settled in DC, uh, working for the government, and that's where I was born. Okay. Um, I was when I was three years old, we moved to Virginia, so I was raised in Northern Virginia. Are you a Redskins fan? Fairfax County. I'm not. I'm a Steelers Steelers oh, fan, actually. That is disgusting. Pittsburgh Steelers. Continue. Continue. Okay. <laughs> lifelong Steelers fan. Okay. Okay. Uh, but um, yeah, I went to school uh, K through 12. I was a really bad student. <laughs> I think I graduated high school with like a 1.9 GPA. Oh, wow. Yeah. You graduated though. You graduated. I barely graduated. <laughs> you graduated. And I think I graduated because they didn't want me anymore. <laughs> I barely graduated. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I was, you know, it was. It was bad. It was bad. And I got recruited for a program called the Pathway Program. Okay. At Northern Virginia Community College. So, it's a it's a program that recruits at risk youth. Okay. It's like youth that are that otherwise would not decide to go to college. Okay. Um, a lot of them are folks that are like stealing, struggling with poverty, like kids from immigrant households, mm-hmm. uh, students that um, are probably like the first in their family to go to college. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think that program started, I graduated high school in 2008. Um, my brother graduated in 06. My yeah. brother also wasn't that good of a student, so he was actually the first student recruited to that program. Oh, wow. Or his cohort, he's the first part of the first cohort. And he was the first student to graduate from that program because he graduated college in three and a half years. He graduated half a semester early. Oh, wow. So he was the first one to graduate in that program ever. And this program has been going on for like 14 years now. Okay. Um, and so I went through that program. I didn't know what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but I knew I liked politics. I volunteered on campaigns even starting my senior year in high school. Um, and also just with like working with the local Democratic Party. And um, so at first I, I did general studies. I graduated with a general studies uh, certificate in community, at my community mm-hmm. college, and then I went on to transfer to a four-year college. Right. Um, I got a degree in public administration. Um, I did some internships on with the county board and also on the Senate. Right. I interned for Congressman Jerry Connolly and Senator Chuck Schumer from New York. Um, and afterwards, I decided to go pursue my master's in public administration. Yeah. So while I was doing my master's in public administration, I, got, um, I met up with my former advisor, Mm-hmm. at the community college who became the dean of students. So she told me basically, hey, we're looking for someone like you that is a former student to become an academic advisor. And this is all in the D.C., Virginia area. Yeah, yeah. so Northern Virginia Community College, it took kids specifically from Fairfax County and Loudoun County, okay, okay. Uh, the Northern Virginia area. Okay. And um, so I went back to that program. I went back to that program and just to work as an academic advisor and to help pay for my master's a little bit too, okay. which is a win-win, you know? Uh, if I'm rambling, let me know. No, 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 no. And, um, and uh, so I went, uh, I went back to that program, and 
a lot of things I saw were bothering me. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the kids that were there um, were placing to remedial courses, okay. meaning oh like algebra, pre-algebra, stuff like that. So nice. the minority yeah, students... I would do that. You go yeah. through that? Yep. They, put me, they put me in development. Yep. Development, a lot like, of students English. were like that. My, dad, my, my dad went through that yeah. as well. Yep. And then... Um, and then the grant that he received, or whatever the case is, was like, oh, we don't pay for remedial classes. So they asked him to give all the money back, mm. even though they're the ones who placed oh. him in it. Yeah. So we ended up suing, alhamdulillah, you know what I'm saying? You got to bet. Victory. Oh, but still, though, like, yeah. it's, 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 it's a trap. Like, yep. it's, it's literally a trap. You see kids that are right, in, so, are like, you know, community colleges for like 10 years, yeah. 15 yep. years, because they can't, and the remedial classes are harder than the actual classes. That's and it discourages true. you, and That's also, oh, yeah. Facts. And also, financial aid is like, you have a limited amount of money, right? Facts. Yeah. And number two, when kids get discouraged, they start um, failing their classes. Mm-hmm. They get placed on like academic probation and they get suspension. And oh then to come back, you have to take up one class at a time. And then even that one class, financial aid won't cover it. It's like a mess. Yeah. It is. It's, so it's I, I saw a lot of stuff happening. But um, while I was there, in the couple of years I was there, I got to meet a lot of kids, talk to a lot of parents. I got to share my experiences. Um, I got to connect with my director to tell her about what was going on, what changes I see could happen. And we got to a point where we saw the transfer to four-year college rate, the retention rate uh, uh, went up also, and uh, and the dropout rate declined. All three of those uh, improved to the point where it was better than the general population. Oh, that is awesome. So these kids that were at risk were outperforming their peers, right? That is bananas. So what does that tell you? It's oh. not a matter of it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of opportunity. Exactly. Wow. Right. And they just needed that one-on-one, yep. uh, that one-on-one guidance. And um, from there, uh, I completed my master's and uh, I got a job with the state over here, or I'm sorry, the city of Minneapolis. Um, so I moved out to I moved out to here. I got I worked for the city of Minneapolis elections office. This was in 2016, as a community specialist, just making sure I register uh, all of the. Um, Residents in North and South Minneapolis, Native Americans, uh, Latino population, Somali, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to increase... To the, vote, right? To vote, but also make sure that they're registered to vote. Oh, because okay. one of the toughest things that we saw was that a lot of folks, unless there's a candidate that looks like them, they don't want, they don't want to come out and vote. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, that year, 2016, I think Mahmoud Nouveau and Ilhan were running for... Uh, Ilhan Omar were running for 60B in Cedar yeah. Riverside area. And... So like the Somalis in Northside and other areas were like, well, we don't live in Cedar. We're not going to vote. Yeah. yeah, but Donald Trump is also running right now. You got to come out, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, local so elections are huge. Local elections are huge. huge and that's huge. where, okay. and that's stuff that affects your life more than at the federal level. That's true. Um, state house, school boards, even the park board matters. Everything matters. Wow. Um, and um, from there, I got to work for the state, Department of Revenue, Department of Transportation, and then... Um, so I've always gotten involved. I got appointed to a commission, um, and then eventually I decided to run for office. So, so like, what was like that? I kind of fast forwarded a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, that's like I want to do this. Like, what mm-hmm. hit you? Like, was it an opportunity? In was terms it, of, why did you want to run? Um, I ran first in 2018 um, uh, for 62A because I got word that one of the incumbents was retiring after 40 years, okay. um, or or 38 years, I should say. Her her name was Karen Clark, and there's a lot of things that were bothering me in the district that I saw myself, including that one story I told you about, okay. that family. Um, and I felt like I could, I, I could do the job. And I felt mm-hmm. like, um, given the fact that we have a lot of residents that come from immigrant backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, 
fact that we have some of the poorest neighborhoods. Um, we have a rift between like the African American community and like the Somali community mm-hmm. that don't get along. The Somali, the Somali community and the Native American community are sometimes butting heads. That I can come in and do, I think, good work. Meaning, myself, I grew up in a in a immigrant household, but and the American culture, right? So I had one foot in the immigrant culture and one foot in the American culture. So right. being able to bridge that gap, I think was important. Was yeah. important. Um, so I decided to run. It was a five-way race. Uh, uh, I lost to our sister, Hodan Hassan, who's now the 62A representative. And um, after that, I stayed local, I stayed involved. Um, and I talked to a lot of community folks and we all decided that, hey, we, we probably need a new senator right now. Um, because stuff, stuff isn't—we're not being represented, and he's not very accessible right now. Mm. Um, but and that's important to folks. Okay. Um, so we talked a little bit about the housing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. kind of like the housing crisis, is, if you will. Mm-hmm. So what are your plans? Like what? Like you know, boom, you know, you get elected. What are you? Like what are you gonna do? Uh, a few things. Number one, when I'm door knocking, everyone is on board. They want rent, they want rent control. Okay. What we're seeing right now cannot what, is, what, is, what does rent control mean? Meaning you can, you, uh, we can cap how much rent increases every year. It cannot, like for example, rent cannot just one, one month or one year skyrocket 180 bucks, 200 bucks. Yep. You can put a cap on it to make sure that um, it's, with, it's within reason. Okay. Was one, 2%, 3% was within reason. Number two, um, renter's rights is huge, it's important. Yeah. We want to establish a set guidelines of renter's rights that protect the renters and not so much put the power in the hands of the landlords, right? Oh, okay. um, meaning, we don't want families that are struggling to be evicted in the dead of winter where they have nowhere to go. That's right. one example. Right. So expanding renters' rights is also important. Yeah. And number three, we've got to increase the number of affordable housing units that are being built in the district, and I think that's not happening right now. We see a lot of uh, unaffordable housing and luxury condos that are being built. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. That's Very not, true. that I think is a sign that our communities are getting pushed out, yeah. um, or priced out intentionally. Yeah. Is that is that gentrification? That is that is absolutely, okay. and it's, it's very, I think it's very intentional also. Mm. Um, and that has to change, but mm-hmm. it takes action at the city council level, at the county level, and also the state legislature. Okay. And I think that's very important. So earlier you kind of talked about um, people don't make enough to have equitable living. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, what do you think is kind of causing that? Right? In you know, in your district and in the city of Minneapolis, in terms of wages, so like yeah, wages, yeah. Oh yeah, well, Minneapolis did a good job. They or somewhat of a good job. They said that um, they pushed, they they passed a fifteen dollar an hour uh, citywide minimum wage, but they're phasing it in. Okay. Myself, I think that should have been immediate, and at the state level, I think that should be immediate. Okay. Um, and how do you corporations? Think I think because corporations, they're not gonna pay the level wage, and they're gonna also mm-hmm. cut back hours so that they don't have to fully. Give you the full amount of benefits, okay. right? Um, so I think protecting workers is number one. Okay. Um, number two, it's a matter of what what your what your values are, what your morals are, what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that someone should work a forty-hour week and not be able to afford rent, mm-hmm. or not? True. Is someone going to be able to afford rent on a forty-hour work week of making seven fifty-eight dollars an hour? No, definitely not. not right? No. So it depends what, it's just a matter of whether you want to mm-hmm. make it happen or not. So a lot of people said, like, for example, um, 
with the $15 minimum wage, mm-hmm. there was two outcomes in certain areas, right? Yeah. So certain individuals did it in the state of San Francisco and it worked. Mm. It was great. Unemployment went down, so on and so forth. Right. I think it was Seattle. It was in Seattle? I think it was Seattle. And then, and then New York did the same thing where they did the $15 minimum wage and unemployment went up. Mm. So like, how do you combat that? Or how do you, how, because a lot of people are saying like, yo, if you increase the minimum wage, a lot of these small businesses and a lot of these businesses can't afford to kind of keep paying their workers so they lay them off. Mm. And then, then you have more homeless people, you have more people, you know, that can't af- that's afford fair. to live. But so that's- like, well, how do you combat that? Uh, I somewhat disagree with that. I think, number one, in areas where they raise the, the wage to $15 an hour, you see folks taking less uh, less time off from work, less sick time. You see employee morale is good, is higher. You see that they're more productive. Mm-hmm. And when they're more productive, the employees make more money. Yep. So it's more beneficial. So the employers make more money. They make more profit. Uh, the, the employees get a livable wage. And when they make more money, what happens? They're using that money usually in the local businesses. You stimulate the local economy. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind it. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it's just like a, it's just one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You can't have just a $15 minimum wage mm-hmm. without having a plan for affordable housing, yep. without having a plan for health insurance, yep. uh, without having a plan for uh, workers' rights. So everything's kind of... Everything is one piece of a puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to have like a holistic platform for all of that. So what's, So if everything's part of a puzzle, what's... Does it, de- does it depend on prioritizing which ones are like, most important? Or is it possible to work on everything at once? Yeah, or is it like, or, this is the first thing that we should work on? Mm, does, that, does that matter? I think, I think you could tackle all of them. All, all, all kind of same yeah, I, I, I believe so. Um, it's, it's whether or not, it's just about the decisions you want to make. Do you think that we should uh, increase the number of affordable housing units and preserve our, or pres- and preserve our diversity? Mm. Or do you want to give control to the hands of the developers? Okay. It's your choice. Do you want to go ahead? I have a question. No, I have a question yeah. about affordable housing. Yeah. In terms, so in affordable housing, are those considered projects? Is that like is that the hood? No. That's not, not, all, not, all, not all. No. Okay. It's just it could be income based housing. You pay based off of what you afford. Mm. That's the idea behind it. So um, it's not, you shouldn't it's not be paying more than thirty. For, for the technical term for affordable housing is you shouldn't be paying more than thirty percent. Of your income on housing. Oh, right? I see. So it's all tied into yeah. your income. Okay. That's that's the idea behind it. But the issue is that right now, for example, I think the city of Minneapolis uses the AMI method. So some places will say, hey, AMI meaning area median income. Okay. So they could say like uh, 60% AMI. So if an area has like a uh, average wealth of maybe $80,000, yeah. what is that going to be? It's probably going to be around $50,000. Yeah. A family, most families don't have that money. Right. So they're not going to be able to afford that, right? So that method automatically to me it's canceled. It should not Yo, work. AMI just sounds like... Um, it's outdated or Gerrymandering. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's literally gerrymandering. It it's basically saying like, yo, listen, um, we want to keep this area, you know, like... Oh, like if we, if we have a certain in, look. If we bring yeah. poor people in here, mm-hmm. the property value is going to decrease. Mm-hmm. So if we do AMI yeah. and we have... You know what? A bunch of people that are making over one hundred twenty thousand dollars. That means that somebody that makes sixty, seventy, eighty can maybe live in. here, right? Yeah, yep. But then, no, like then the families that can't afford that are never going to come there. Yep. So in a way, there it's it's purposely discriminating against those individuals mm. because they don't want them to live in this certain area because they want it to have a certain one, mm. like you mentioned. 
Yep. Yep. Like they wanted to be like posh and yeah. rich and yeah. you, know, you know, hipster. Matcha tea and <laughs> avocado sandwich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, okay, that's I have intense. a question about minimum wage though. Yes. Um, with, I feel like, you know, so during this whole like democratic uh, presidential, you know, race and everything and 2020 coming up and all that, uh, and like the general election, general election coming up, like I've been politically disengaged. Mm. Like I feel like the whole system's rigged, right? Like, I don't blame you. A lot of folks right? feel like that. A lot that. of folks yeah. feel like that. Yep. I'm just like, yo, there's no point. It's more of like a reality TV show. It's, you know, corporate people, lobbyists really running it. Mm. So I was like, you know, there's really no point. And then, but then I heard about Andrew Yang, right? Yep. And I heard about like his policy and everything that he was for. And I was like, wow, this is like, it's just really, it's like data driven. It's like smart. It's like, it's not, it's not like Democrat or Republican. You know, it was just, it was a different way of looking at things. So I have a question regarding minimum wage is in terms of with like automation being like rapid, right? It's taking, technology is taking over a lot of sectors yeah. and stuff like that. If you give minimum wage to, to, to like the state of Minnesota, how do you think that in the future will, do you think that's an effective policy in terms of with technology like really rising and impacting like the work, changing work really? Absolutely. So there's two pieces of that. Number one, what's happening right now? Yeah. Right? Folks are struggling. Right? Yeah. So people need a livable wage right now. Number two, that point of automation is a valid concern. Yeah. Um, and that's why in my platform, I also say that I want to make edu public education free from early childhood yeah. all the way to two and four year colleges. Okay. Those two and four year colleges include vocational schools, like HVAC, plumbing, all mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. So you're giving people the opportunity to pursue a higher education. Yeah or a, a trade where they can develop the skills so that they can have a good paying job afterwards. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's not just, I'm chilling, I'm going to take this $15 an hour minimum wage job yeah. and I'm comfortable. No, you have the opportunity to pursue higher. Okay. Right? Because what, back 67 years ago, the country made a decision. They said, listen, we got to make uh, K through 12 free. We got to make, we got to give the, every, every child the opportunity to go to school. To school. Yeah. Elementary school, middle school, high school. Yeah. yeah. We, as a country, we made that decision. So I think we're at the point right now where now the bachelor's degree is now a high school degree. So now we have to make sure. this publicly funded now. Mm. Right. To make sure that everyone's equipped, especially to keep up with the technological advances. You can't just have like a high school degree. You got to have more. Yeah. Right. So right. you got to give those people the opportunity to pursue that. Okay. One, one more caveat on that though. In terms of so majority of these 50, when the, when you say 15, uh, minimum dollar an hour minimum wage, those are usually the low end jobs, low skill jobs, mm, right? Yes, yes. So these are jobs that are, are usually going to be automated first, yep. whether that's call center, fast food, like really the entry level jobs. Right. And I just feel like I get that it does, it helps for now, but I feel like, um, the proposition later, once once these corporations are saving money, adding machines and taking people out, mm. they save more money like that because it's a cost game at the end of the day, right? So once they do that, all these people that are on fifteen minimum dollar dollar an hour minimum wage, I feel like they do lose out totally in the end. 
Well, there's two things. I think number one, that's where you provide the opportunity for people to pursue higher education. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I don't think we're ever like for retail stores. I don't think we're gonna be like 100% automated ever. Okay. Like for example, that's why they have self checkouts and they have cashiers. Yeah. Now, granted, they have less cashiers. They have less cash. But it's gonna be cool you have to, yeah. their computers are gonna have errors, so you're gonna have to have some human bodies there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's always, in my opinion, gonna be cashiers there. Okay. Yeah. Does but that make sense? At the same time, though, like let's say you have 100 cashiers there now. Yeah. You might need. 20 people to fix the machines. Mm-hmm. So 80 of those cashier people gotta go get themselves a different job. Yeah. Exactly, yep. You know what I mean? So how are they gonna get that job? That's right. How are they gonna develop that skill? That's yeah. Right. My question, no, my, my last point to that is, what's your opinion on, because I know Andrew Yang's his whole platform was on the universal basis. UBI, income. yep. I know that Bernie, I think, because I know you support him, and um, he was, he was for it, I think like he spoke well about it mm-hmm. and they're receptive to it, but there's no, there's no actually like nobody's really taking more of a stance on it. Like now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. After Andrew Yang, you know? Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your, just, actually, I just want to know your take honest, on that. No, actually to be honest, that, that's something that's very interesting. I think, um, our now attorney general, Keith Ellison. Yeah. He was actually like talking about that and supporting that as a congressman. Oh, UBI, wow. yeah. Okay. Years ago, years ago, pardon me, but um, you think that's something I think realistic? That's, that's you, one thing that Andrew Yang was, I think, known for. Yeah, like you could talk about healthcare, you could talk about housing, you could talk about any any subject, he would automatically somehow tie it back. Yeah, yeah. nothing else is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it didn't look like he had that whole platform. He just was known for UBI. Yeah. Right? Whereas Bernie Sanders, I think, he had he's that, known for medical. The Medicare for all. He's known for Medicare for all. He's known for going against corporations. He's that's known true. for that's NRA. I mean, the average donation he makes is like what eighteen bucks a month. Like literally, yeah. Like he's not. He's he's. But we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about you. We're not here to talk I about. Apologize. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. We're not here to talk yeah. about. I'm just talking about the. I think that source, right? Yeah. But in terms of yourself, though, right? So, um, and with like all these policies and stuff like that, I feel like. It's kind of like when Al, what's the name, Al Gore first talked about global warming. Mm. Maybe Andrew Yang is the Al Gore yeah. of UBI. You know what I mean? And that maybe it, it was too new of an idea and people are going to have to start waking up about it. Maybe we'll get to that in the future. Mm. But for now, do you feel like your $15, the idea of you getting, you know, say for being for $15, is that like more of a band-aid right now? Or is that more of something that will be sustainable in the future? That fifteen dollars an hour? Yeah. No, I think you should tie it, in fact, to uh, index it to inflation. Like you should tie it in a way where, mm-hmm. whereas the cost of goods and services go up, then mm-hmm. the wages go up with that. Yeah. So it shouldn't just be flat fifteen dollars an hour. Right, right, right. Um, and you know, with a lot of these corporate jobs, everybody gets that two percent, three percent increase mm, for they inflation. Do. Yeah. But when it comes to these low end jobs, they do not. They, they do not. They don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know what I mean? And MFEP, for example, got raised for the first time since the eighties. Mm, by a yep. hundred dollars. Yep. You know, hundred dollars not much. You know, which is it's, it's nothing. But no. then imagine the inflation that existed from between you know between now and you know the eighties. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're gonna kind of wrap up here. Okay. Uh, we're gonna wrap up with one fun thing here, real quick, cool, cool, to cool. kind of keep the conversation a little bit light. So there was a video that kind of broke the internet recently, and there was a dude in the last seat on the plane, and you know how it is, the last seat on the plane, they don't recline. Mm. You know what I mean? And there was a lady that was sitting in front of him. And also, or the best, the, the last seat on the plane, like you get a little bit of a smaller space. So the lady in front of him reclined her seat mm. back into him, and he doesn't have the ability to recline. And he was so upset that he was punching her seat incessantly. 
And while he's punching her seat, she starts to record him. So the question that I want to ask you is, who is wrong? Oh, in that situation, I'll have to say, the guy, you should never, you should never use your hands. Okay. Um, you, cannot, you, should, you cannot be violent. Did he ask her to move up first? We, we just see yeah, we the video know. of her punching. Yeah. I think he should have. No, he should have. He should, if he didn't, he should have asked her to move up. What you if could, he said no? What if she said no? Then you can escalate it. You can talk to someone else. Say, push that button. Say, hey, she got to move up. Yeah. So he's wrong. I think he's wrong. She's wrong too for not for she's not being polite. Okay. Yes, I agree but with she, that. But, but there's no situation where you can put your hands. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you cannot do that. H, what about yourself? I think uh, I but I know that I saw I saw something on Twitter though about the like that the CEO of Delta said you should ask if you can recline the seat. You actually you should ask the person behind you. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I you know can I recline the seat? Have you guys ever done that? I've Bro, never like done that. how many times did I get like ginger ale? And then I'll put it on a little tray. And then they lean back. And the person yeah, to grab it. Back. So yep, that, yep. You know? So that happens. But you don't ask though, right? Yo, that's what you get for. I don't know. I'm going to But like, you don't ask though, right? Like, I don't really thing, ask. Right? No, I don't yeah. really ask. You just do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that was. I don't think that's. It's, it's that big of a problem. To be honest with you though, it's the airline's fault, man. Just give the man some space. Let him. Yeah. Like, give him the ability to recline. Yes. Shorten up the back a little bit. You know mm. what I'm saying? Or just cut out the whole entire seat. Was it American just, Airlines? What was it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but just take out the whole seat completely. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's true. But Amar, appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Thank you so much. Best of luck to you as well. I appreciate you. We got you. We support you and all that. Yeah, I enjoyed this, man. Um, you know what I'm saying? We're you know, um, if you need anything or. Likewise, let us know. Yeah. Um, thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. And, um, and then I think the biggest thing... Go ahead. Go can ahead. I plug in my website? Oh, you have to. Yeah, yeah go I got to plug my website, man. All the plugs. Yeah, so you can check out my website. If you want to learn more about the, the race, my platform, my campaign, uh, it's uh, omarfatah.com. It's O-M-A-R-F-A-T-E-H dot uh, org. I'm sorry, not dot com. It's omarfateh.org. O-M-A-R-F-A-T-E-H dot org. Go check that out, you guys. Yep. Any last words? Anything you want to tell the people before we go? Um, no, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I hope to be back. Hopefully as a senator. Hopefully as a senator, yeah. A great philosopher once said, Love is love. Peace and prosperity. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>